Here at All The Books, we love having great advertisers support our show, but in order to continue doing that, we need your help. So please go to podsurvey.com slash books and take a quick anonymous survey that will help us get to know you a little better. That way we can show our advertisers just how great our listeners are. Even if you've taken our show's podcast listener survey before, the current one is new and different, so I'd really like for you to take it all over again. Plus, once you've completed the survey, you can enter to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Again, that's podsurvey, P-O-D-S-U-R-V-E-Y dot com slash books. Thanks again for your help. All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 96, and today we are talking about books released on February 28, 2017, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with my fellow podcast, Rebecca Shinsky, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Hello, hello. Hello there. I am coming to you from my childhood bedroom. I I, I don't have anything to say to that. I, I was like, uh, nope. <laughs> Like for a second, I was like, where am I? Oh, yeah, in my office. <laughs> oh, I'm still at home. Oh, uh, do you have, like, let's see, how old are you? Do you have, like, Backstreet Boys posters and oh my stuff? Gosh. I wish that I did. You know, like, I got so, you get so where you want to, like, be grown up when you're a teenager. And so I had my parents help me remake my room into what I thought, like, you know, a mature person's room should look like. And now that so you I have in sync posters. Yes. Um, I desperately wish that I had left. I used to have a giant Brad Pitt Legends of the Fall poster on my closet door. We all had that poster. I know, right? With the long flowing hair. Yep. And I desperately wish that I had kept that. And like my bulletin board full of like in sync pictures that I had cut out of magazines and stuck up on the wall. Actually, I was a New Kids fan because that's my generation. Who was your Um, new kid? Uh, Donnie. Which I'm like, <gasps> he was mine little... too. Oh my goodness, we were meant to be together. <laughs> I had the Donnie Barbie doll. I had like, the, the giant figure. button that was like the size of a hubcap. <laughs> this is fantastic. Yeah, I'm a little bit ashamed of that. Like yeah, now, me too. But <laughs> I just outed you. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. We are not ashamed of the things that we love or once loved here on all the books. It's just fine. Except uh, people we things, dated. Well, well <laughs> yes. Um, speaking of being back at your teenage home. Um, but there are things that we love this week, and those things are books. Books. And we're going to talk books. about them. Yes. My first book is a fantastic YA novel that I enjoyed so much. It's called The Beast is an Animal by Peter Nell Van Arsdale. It's this dark Puritan fairy tale. Um, If you saw the movie The Witch, it's creepy Mm. like that. Like, The Witch, I I really enjoyed that movie. People were like, this is the scariest movie I've ever seen. I didn't think it was scary in, like, the hoo-hoo, I'm scared kind of way. I thought it was scary in the... This is how they used to really treat women who were a little different or, you know, if things were going wrong, they found someone to blame and set on fire, you know, like the whole witch hunt thing. Like that scared me. Like that was like really interesting to me. Um, This one starts with twin girls. They are born with matching birthmarks and one of the women in their village decides that can't be good. It must be a sign of the devil. You know, she outs them to the village elder and they say, all right, the girls need, the babies need to go, and so does the mom, um, because she gave birth to them, so obviously she's a witch too, but, you know, we're going to take pity on you, and 
you can just be banned. You have to go live in the woods. Like, it's fine. And the father, he has the option of going with them or staying in the village where there's, like, you know, food and shelter and stuff. And he takes the cowardly way out and stays in the village. So now there's a woman in the woods with her newborns, and they build a shelter, and she raises them in the woods. Um, And eventually, their father, who used to visit occasionally, he stops visiting, and eventually the mother goes to the village to find out why. And, oh, you know, he's got a new wife and a new family, and she's very upset. And eventually she dies in the woods, and the girls are very upset about this. Um, so they are now, like, 15 years old. They're completely feral. They've been living in the woods for their whole lives. And they're really upset about what happened to their mother. So they decide to go into the village. Because they've been sort of, like, picking up these weird sort of energies and learning things from the woods. So they decide to go into the village and kill all the adults. Like, anyone under the age of 16... They leave alone. They put, like, a spell on them because they are now, like, fully empowered. And they put a spell on all the children, and they kill all the adults in the village. They're they're now considered soul eaters. Like, they steal their souls. Um, And while they're on their little, like, killing spree, they encounter a seven-year-old girl named Alice. And they are very curious about her. And they go up to her, and they're, like, talking to her, and they're like, she's going to be one of us. She's not yet, but she's going to be like us. You know, and then they go off back into the woods. So, you know, eventually a traveler comes along and he's like, here's an entire village of, you know, children. And all the adults are gone. So he takes the 50 orphan children from the village into the next village. Now, this village doesn't really want them, but they can't find any other villages to sort of pawn them off on. So they end up with, like, these 50 orphan children from this, like, terrible, like, horrible thing that happened in the next village over. Um, And so the High Elder, who is this total blowhard, he is the richest man in the village, he has a beautiful daughter, he decides to build a wall. He's going to build a wall to keep out, you know, any soul eaters that might attack their village, but what he's really doing is building a wall to keep in the people who are there and sort of take the people who live there down another notch and keep control of them. And he decides that the orphan children are going to guard this wall, even though they're very young. He says this is really their fault, so they need to guard the wall. And they have to, like, sign in and sign out and wear ID. And he, because he's decided, like, their village must have prayed incorrectly or angered some kind of god to have this happen to them. So these children must earn their keep by working all night. And while the children of their village, you know, get to go to school and play The orphan children spend many years working on the wall, and eventually some of them run away, and some of them die. Some of them fall. Um, And Alice is one of the children who has to work the wall. And while she's growing up doing this, she has visions of those women on and off, and also of someone called the Beast. And now she is almost 16 years old, and she's worried that she will become like those women that she met in the woods. It's super creepy. It's super fun. I'm not going to spoil any more of it. I could just talk about it forever. I'm looking at my notes and it like makes the guy in Seven look really calm. So <laughs> I'm just going to stop talking about it. Um, but I, I adored it. Like it was really fun. Again, it's The Beast is an Animal by Peter Nell Van Arsdale. Ah, my first pick this week is also a young adult novel that I loved, but on a much more 
serious note. Uh, it's The Hate You Give, just the letter U in the title if you happen to be searching for it online. It's by Angie Thomas. This is probably the biggest debut YA novel of the year. There were a jillion uh, houses vying to pick it up in a big auction when it was on the market. I think it was at least a dozen. Uh, so a very in-demand debut novel. Uh, it is inspired by the Black Lives Matter movement. This is a book that everyone should read. Do not let the young adult moniker uh, scare you off if you're a reader who has maybe some ideas about what young adult books are or are not. Uh, it's about a girl named Star. She is 16. She and her family live in a pretty rough neighborhood. Uh, we don't really know what city it is, and that's important because it could really be any city. Um, her father is a former gang member and a former drug dealer who uh, spent some time in prison and is now out, and he sends uh, Star and her brothers to a fancy private school in a mostly white neighborhood about 20 minutes away from their house. So her life is really split between those very different worlds of the neighborhood that she grows up in and then the life that she has at school, um, where she's one of the only black students. And she has sort of uh, her school version of herself and then her home version of herself and never the twain shall meet. Uh, one night after a party in her home neighborhood, she and a friend are driving away and they get pulled over. They don't know what they were doing wrong. They get pulled over and she ends up witnessing her friend being killed by a police officer. Um, he's turning into the car to ask her if she's okay uh, because the situation has already, the whole interaction with the police officer has gone sideways ways. Uh, he has been inappropriate in his responses to them. And when the, her friend leans into the car to check on her, the police officer claims that he thinks that the um, boy is reaching for a gun. And so he just shoots the boy and Star watches her friend die. Um, and this is not the first time that she has watched a good friend die. We know that she lost a friend when she was 10 in a drive-by shooting. Um, that happens very early on in the book. That scene is, of course, very difficult to read, but keep going. Um, the book remains difficult, but it's the kind of read that is supposed to be. Um, we continue to see Star navigate her life and her identity and the way that she has been with white friends, but now she goes to school and they are saying things like, you know, the cop probably did us all a favor by shooting that kid who was a drug dealer. It turns out that the kid, you know, wasn't a drug dealer. There were no drugs in the car. Even if he had been, that's not an excuse for shooting someone. Um, and she finally figures out through a painful process, sort of how to reconcile these two parts of herself and claim her true identity to be open uh, with her friends at her school about who she really is and what her life is really like in her neighborhood and as a young black woman. Um, and she decides to, you know, as the only witness, use her voice as her weapon um, to speak out about the truth of what happened in that moment and to become an activist um, for black lives. It is so well written. It's so powerful. I was texting Amanda about like, I can't stop reading it, but also it's really stressing me out. Uh, and it's supposed to be that kind of book. Um, because Star is navigating her black community and her white friends at school. I think it's a really important book to put into the hands of your friends and your coworkers and your teachers, or maybe even yourself, if you are not totally sure what this Black Lives Matter movement is about. Um, and, you know, Angie Thomas goes into some of the microaggressions too, where Star and her friends explain to her boyfriend, who is white, like, 
you know, why it's racist to assume that black names are weird names um, and to revert to like Chris and Robert as white names as being normal or fine. Um, so there's a lot of sort of just great excavating of where the culture is and the individual sort of moments and conversations that people have to have in order for us all to move forward. It's an excellent book. Um, I think one of the big important books of the year, a huge debut. It's going to be hard to beat it. There's already a movie deal as well. Again, it's called called The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas. It's really hard, but it's definitely yeah. something that everyone should read. It's totally worthwhile. Um, my friends who are high school teachers are taking it into their classrooms. I think that's a great idea. Yeah, it's really good. Want to tell us about our first sponsor? Yes, I have no segue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's not one. Except it's a good book. Our first sponsor is Girl in Disguise by Greer McAllister, which is brought to us by Source Books. It will be coming out in a few weeks. Uh, it's about the first female investigator in, investigator at the Pinkerton Detective Agency. That was a mouthful. That was, that was, that that is. was hard for me. Um, the streets of 1856 Chicago offer a desperate widow mostly trouble and ruin, unless that widow has a knack for manipulation and an unusually quick mind. In a bold move that no other woman has tried, Kate Warren convinces the legendary Alan Pinkerton to hire her as a detective. Battling criminals and co-workers alike, Kate immerses herself in the dangerous life of an operative, winning the right to tackle some of the agency's toughest investigations. But is the woman she's becoming capable of all and any lies, swapping identities like dresses? Is she the true Kate, or has the real disguise been the good girl she always thought she was? And uh, if you, ha- I think I talked about it in the podcast, but maybe I didn't. She wrote uh, The Magician's Lie, which is a fantastic novel. That was her debut novel. And uh, this one is really great. I've read it. It's, it's definitely in my wheelhouse, like this time period, Pinkerton's. So good. And like I said, it's inspired by the true story of the first female investigator at the Pinkerton Detective Agency, who was a smart, explosive female protagonist. And it is very relevant and timely. Um, It's set in Civil War era Chicago and provides a vivid backdrop and saturates the story with the mood of the time. So that is right in your wheelhouse. Yeah. Yeah. I like Grilla a lot. She's pretty great. Um, So we will have a link to that in the show notes and we thank Source Books for sponsoring. Nice. I kind of just like started talking about, I was like, I'm just going to keep talking about the book. And I was like, wait, I have to save that for the podcast like when it comes out. (laughs) So yeah, I really, I don't. I don't... Do do you go to a fugue state when you write your notes? Because I'm looking at them now and I'm like, what is happening? (laughs) So much writing! (laughs) I wrote these words. Now I'm just going to say things. Yeah. In a trance. My next pick is also a debut. It is Everything Belongs to Us by Eugene Grace Wuertz. It takes place in Seoul, South Korea in 1978. And like I said, it's a debut. It's a beautiful story about friendship and equality among the people of different backgrounds in Seoul. Um, In 1978, President Park was in charge. He had promised to give Korea to the people to lead all the country's people to jobs and prosperity. But instead, he declares martial law. He makes the rich richer. He bans public demonstration. He adds nine decrees to the Constitution, including one that prohibits anti-government activity under the threat of execution. And so everyone's really stressed out. They realize, like, their president is actually a tyrant. Um, And there are four main characters... One is Jisoon. She is a college student. She comes from a very rich family. Her father is a friend of the president. He's, like, a big supporter of the president. Um, She is best friends with Namin, who is, like, the opposite of her. She's very poor. She comes from a working-class family. She doesn't go to school. And Jisoon has worked with some people to infiltrate 
a factory. She becomes a factory worker and then, like, rallies these women and leads them in illegal demonstrations. Like, they protest, like, their, you know, the working conditions and their pay and everything that's going on. Um, and she does this, but she always gets out of trouble. Like, they, the police are like, oh, my goodness, that's the daughter of this this man, and, you know, we need to get her out of here. And it's, it's so humiliating for her because she's trying to make a difference, but people, you know, resent her because she's never going to get in trouble like these other women are. Um, and she... It's sort of like there's like a big rift between the students and the working class going on. Like the working class view the students as very elite and very snobby and very different, and they do not get along. There's lots of fighting. Um, she and Namin are going to meet Sunam, who is a college student working very hard to prove himself. Like if you like, very few people get to go to college, and if you do, like it's a really big deal. And if you mess up, and that's it for you. Like you're going to be working in a factory. So he's working really hard to prove himself. Um, and he brings Jasoon and Namin to meet Juno, who is this sort of dark sort of character. Um, he's got sort of like a, a hold on on Tsunam, like he's sort of in charge. Um, he brings them to the Circle, and it's an organization, and they're going to kind of like work from the inside to take down the tyrant. But are they? Like, is that what they're really working for? And like their relationships with each other sort of complicate their mission, it's completely engrossing. Like, it's it's a fantastic debut. Um, it's it's amazing to read this because, like, these are, like, real things that happen. This is not, you know, you're not reading 1984. Like, this is actually how the government, like, behaved in 1978 in Seoul, South Korea. And it's it's alarming and, and just fascinating. Um, and I also, I really loved the characters in this book. Like, I just think she did an excellent job. Again, it's called Everything Belongs to Us by Eugene Grace Wewerts. I have no good segue, uh, so I'm just going to move on. My next pick is called Abandon Me. It's by Melissa Phoebos. Uh, this is a memoir in essays about love and loss and how closely intertwined they are. Uh, she opens up the book by writing about how her father was never really at home. He was a sea captain, uh, and he kind of originally takes to the sea, uh, she believes at least, in response to the fact that his father was a very abusive alcoholic alcoholic. Um, so he has this other life completely away from uh, his growing up experiences and then also his own family. Um, and her mother spends you know, a lot of time raising uh, Melissa and her siblings by herself. And um, they spend a lot of time worrying that something will happen to their father. Ultimately, her parents separate and she feels abandoned by him or has felt abandoned by him. Uh, throughout her childhood. And she connects that to sort of the core, to being like the core thing that she takes into all of her adult romantic relationships. Um, and these essays are about sort of the inescapable loop of clinging to people and then ultimately being left by them. That if the thing you're most afraid of in a relationship is being left the way that you behave, ultimately can drive people to leave. Uh, and it's so, it's just very, it's hard. Uh, it's raw and vulnerable, but the writing is really gorgeous. It is so observant. There's a whole essay about hickeys, about how um, she, she's like in her 30s now, and she knows that she is supposed to be embarrassed about having hickeys or liking getting hickeys, but she sort of dives deeply into what these symbolize for her as a way to indicate to the world that she is someone's or that she has someone, uh, if she's like literally placing her mark 
on someone else that it feels like a way to ward off that person being taken or leaving her for someone else. Um, it's really smart. I never thought that I would love reading an essay about uh, about hickeys in relationships, but it's surprising. And most of the pieces in the book are surprising in that way. There's one about that addresses gift giving and how what we're really looking for when our loved ones give us gifts is not a thing that we want, but an indication that they know us, that we can't see ourselves. Um, so we look to the people that we love to hold up a mirror for us and that gifts that they give us serve as that mirror in some way. Um, and how difficult it can be to receive something that shows the person doesn't really see you or doesn't really know you. Um, they're just like, they're, these are lovely very deep essays. If you like Maggie Nelson, Leslie Jameson, uh, that kind of writing uh, that really delves into the self of the writer, uh, it's going to be right up your alley. I was very surprised by it. I didn't really know anything about the collection when I started reading it and was just immediately gripped from the first page by, um, by the quality of her writing and by how open she is about the kinds of things that we all are on some spectrum of experiencing and thinking about, but she just puts it right out there um, in a way that's relatively unusual, uncommon. Uh, so it's Abandon Me by Melissa Phoebos. I can't recommend it enough. Uh, I read her memoir, uh, Whip Smart, I think mm -hmm. it was called. Yeah. About when she was a dominatrix. Yeah. Yeah. She's no stranger to telling you everything. Like it's it's amazing. Yeah, and it's like there some of the bits of her life are shocking or could be shocking, but she's not presenting them in a like in a way that's intended to be shocking. She's not trying to entertain you with yeah. like her flash um or to shock for value. It's just here is who I am. It's really lovely. I'm very excited for people to read that. Yeah, it's good. What's up next for you? My next pick is uh, the Fisherman by John Langan. It actually came out in 2016, and it's published by Word Horde, a little indie press. And last year on the internet, I asked people what their favorite book of 2016 was, and I saw this mentioned several times. And I was like, oh, I haven't read that. So I got a copy, and I read it, and it's fantastic. It's a really solid, creepy book. It was just nominated for the Bram Stoker Award for Best Novel, and it's great. Uh, it takes place in upstate New York. It's about a man named Abe. He narrates part of the story. He's an older gentleman. Um, he works for IBM, or it starts like when he was working for IBM, and he loses his young wife. Um, he sort of goes off track. He takes up fishing, and fishing becomes everything to him. It sort of straightens him out. He gets his life back. He goes back to work. He's, he's you know, fine. Um, and years later, one of his co-workers, a man named Dan, also loses his wife. And so Abe is like feeling like he sort of understands what Dan's going through. So he befriends Dan, and they start fishing together. And so now, like, Abe has a good friend, and, you know, sometimes they just go and they don't say anything, and sometimes they occasionally talk about things, but they always have fishing, and it always makes them happy. Um, but then one day, Dan suggests that they go to a place called Dutchman's Creek, and... Abe, who has fished a lot of the places in upstate New York, is not familiar with this creek. Um, but Dan is very insistent that it's great and they should go. So they set out on a trip. And on the way, it starts pouring really hard. And they pull into a diner to get breakfast. And they're just, like, stuck inside this diner. It's, it's absolutely pouring. And they, you know, start talking to the cook there. And they mention that they're going to Dutchman's Creek. 
And the cook sort of regales them with this dark legend of Dutchman's Creek. And the book shifts to that narrative. And it's a good part of the story about what Dutchman's Creek is and how it got its name. And it's about how, like, over 100 years earlier, the creek is steeped in loss and revenge and dark arts centered around a man called Der Fisher or the Fisherman. It's, I'm not going to tell you anymore because I don't want to give it away, but... It's just like A plus storytelling. It's wildly imaginative. It was wonderfully descriptive. Like I could really see all the craziness that was going on in this book. It was great. So if you like horror, if you like being creeped out, if you like a good story, like great storytelling, check out The Fisherman by John Langan. Awesome. Wanna hear about our next sponsor? Yes, please. All right. This is, uh, if you're looking for a romance to read, we are sponsored this week by Rough and Tumble. Uh, this is brought to us by Karina Press, and it's about a self-made man who has his fingers in a variety of successful businesses. His name is Jace Kennedy. He lives for the challenge, and he always gets what he wants. From the start, he sees Vivian Moore's hidden wild side and knows that she is his perfect match if only he can break it free. He can walk society's walk and talk society's talk, but when he wants something, he finds a way to get it. He's proud of who he is and where he came from, and he'll be damned if he lets Vivian go before showing her the safest place of all is in the arms of a dangerous man. This is a gritty contemporary romance. It has an alpha male hero who isn't too over the top or possessive. He genuinely loves and cares for his heroine. There's also a brotherhood theme. It's about a group of men who have who, who really value loyalty loyalty and commitment above all else. If you've ever fallen for a bad boy with a heart of gold, this is a story for you. And the heroine is a strong woman who stands on her own and doesn't wait for anyone to save her. Uh, so again, that's Rough and Tumble. It's by Renna Morgan, R-H-E-N-N-A Morgan, if you're looking for it online. And thanks again to Karina Press for sponsoring. We'll have a link in the show notes. Uh, related, sort of. Um, I okay. saw some people raving about Tessa Bailey the other day, another apparently romance writer. Oh, so I picked mm-hmm. up one of hers. I'll let you know how it is. Ooh, good. Yeah, I have some Eloisa James on my pile for when I get home from this trip. She's so prolific. It's amazing. It is amazing. Um, moving right along and back into serious. We have yeah, a lot of serious they are books. serious. Um, this week, the um, paperback edition of Evicted by Matthew Desmond is out this week. I think you talked about it on the show yes. last, uh, last year when it came out. And I am listening to it on audio currently. I'm not finished with it yet. This book is talk about an important and difficult book. Um, Matthew Desmond tells the stories of eight American families in order to illustrate the bigger story about what's going on in America with extreme economic inequality and extreme poverty. Um, He's looking at families who are spending more than 50% of their income to pay their rent, who are then often evicted. Evictions used to not be very common in the U.S., but now it's becoming more and more common. Um, So families spend a lot of money, then they get evicted when they can't pay their rent, and they end up in even worse neighborhoods, and the cycle of poverty just runs itself in that circle. Um, And he's exposing through these eight family stories the depth and the variety of housing inequality and how difficult it is to um, overcome that, to break that cycle and and to move forward. I think um, you said last year that it was the most important nonfiction book of 2016. Definitely. And I, 
I can't think of anything uh, that I read or heard about last year that would exceed that. Um, it's not an easy listen, but so you know, <laughs> sometimes you got to learn some stuff that's not easy to learn. It's very eye-opening. Um, and really, I, I find it very convicting. It feels like a call to action. Um, so that is Evicted by Matthew Desmond. It's out in paperback this week. Um, so far, the audio I'm finding to be excellent as well. I mean, it really highlights the systems that are in place to keep people down, you know, yeah. and as long as, you know, people don't know about these, it's just going to keep happening. You know, I think everyone should have to read this. Yeah, it comes right to the heart of why, like, well, then just get a job and pull yourself up by your yeah. bootstraps is not uh, a per- it's not a, an, a really compelling argument yeah. because it's not a thing that is realistically possible. Yeah, it's like telling people who are unhappy, just be happy. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Just don't feel that way. Just like magically make dollars for yourself. Yeah. It's so good. It is. Speaking of so good, I am going to talk about a book that I have not read. Like, like, isn't it amazing? I don't know. I feel like everyone has read this except me. I know (laughs) that so many of the rioters loved this book. I heard amazing things about the audio. Um, But I haven't read it. It's Lab Girl by Hope Jaron, and it's her debut memoir. Um, It was a New York Times bestseller, a New York Times notable book. It was a finalist for the Penn E.O. Wilson Literary Science Writing Award. It was a finalist for the NBCC Award for Autobiography. It was, like, on a gazillion best-of-the-year list last year. And I I don't know how I didn't read it. You just didn't get to it. (laughs) I know. It's so crazy to me. But it's coming out in paperback today, and I have it now, and I'm going to read it. And it Hope Jarn's memoir, she is a geobiologist. She studies trees and flowers, seeds, and soil. And her memoir is an examination of her childhood in Minnesota, like growing up with a scientist father and playing in her father's college laboratory. I always want to say laboratory like Dexter. Like, Didi, what are you doing in my laboratory? Um, it's about how her love for science grew um, and her studies, like growing up, going to school, and her work now, and some advice on how we can work to protect the environment. And But from what I understand, like I've heard some people say, it's a lot more serious than the title would indicate. Like, it's it's a very, like, serious, like, informational, important book. But it kind of sounds like Lab Girl, like, you know, Batgirl. Um, but I hear it's just absolutely fantastic. I know you read it and loved it, mm-hmm. so that's what I'm going to do. Yeah, it's really, like quiet and thoughtful and it's so excellent on audio. I think maybe Jeff and I talked about it on the Book Riot podcast that there's uh, Hope Jaren reads the audio and there's a section where she's talking about a really difficult experience that she had and she gets you can hear her get choked up and sort of read like you can hear her sort of read through starting to cry um which I've never heard happen on an audiobook oh, that would before. Make me cry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It definitely will. (laughs) It did. I I think I only did okay with it because Jeff had told me that that was coming at some point. And so I heard her start to get choked up and I was like, this is the part. Okay. Try not to have to pull over and cry. Um, But it's it's very affecting and just a really like if you liked um, H is for Hawk or um, Hammerhead by Nina McLaughlin, this is sort of in that vein. Yay! Yeah. My last one this week is one that I haven't read yet. I brought it with me on my trip. I think I'm going to spend the afternoon reading in the sun here in Kansas City. It's unseasonably 
lovely today. Um, it's called Big Lonesome. These are short stories by Joseph Scapolato. Um, it's being compared to Larry McMurtry and um, Claire Vay Watkins really liked it. Uh, these are absurdist short stories. The book is less than 200 pages long and there are 25 stories in it. So like truly short, short stories um, that are that conjure worlds, themes, and characters. I'm just reading the synopsis now. Who are at once unquestionably familiar and undeniable strange. Uh, it navigates through the American West, from the Old West to the modern day West to the Midwest, cowboys, mythical creatures to explore myth and masculinity and what it means to be whole or to be broken. Um, he's uh, apparently also in the tradition of George Saunders and Patrick DeWitt. So there's some surreal, weird stuff happening there. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. That sounds like short stories right up my alley. So again, that's Big Lonesome by Joseph Scapolato. I haven't too and i haven't read it yet what's going on with me i don't know we could have a little uh, book party together club (laughs) okay so those are our new releases this week what are you going to read next i am going to read the art of death writing the final story by edwige dantica it's out from gray wolf press in july it's their little art of series and it's about Uh, Her personal account of her mother dying from cancer and a deeply considered reckoning with the ways that other writers have approached death in their own work. In other Mm. words, like super cheery and uplifting. It's going to be great. What are you going to read? a little light reading. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Um, Eloisa James. Probably some Eloisa James. (laughs) Big Lonesome. I packed a bunch of books for my trip but I haven't really decided if I'm going to read them or if I'm going to go. One of my favorite um, independent bookstores here in Kansas City is called Rainy Day Books. And I'm thinking about, like, maybe I'll just go to Rainy Day and pick something to read. Um, so I don't know. I'm going to go on an adventure. May I make a suggestion? Of course. Um, I was very sorry to hear on the internet yesterday that the author Brian Doyle is very sick. Oh. And he wrote this amazing book called Mink River. And everyone should read it. It's an amazing thing that you would do for yourself. It's so wonderful. So if they have Mink River by Brian Doyle, that is the book that you want. I will look for that. Uh, so that is our show today. Thank you again to our sponsors. If you guys would take just a couple of minutes to complete the podcast listener survey, again, that's podsurvey.com slash books. And we'll put a link to it in the show notes, which are now available. If you're listening on your phone, you can just scroll straight into the show notes and clickety click your way there. So please do us that favor and enter to win the $100 gift card. Thanks to Girl in Disguise and to Rough and Tumble. We'll have links to both of those in the show notes as well. If you'd like to purchase them or get more info Uh, if you have anything for us you can drop us a line at all the books at bookriot.com or talk to us on twitter i'm rebecca shinsky s-c-h-i-n-s-k-y and liberty is miss liberty and if you've got a minute to rate or review the show on itunes it helps other folks to find their way to us and as much as we would love to tell you about more books today we just don't have the time but you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. And so, in the meantime, happy, happy reading. reading.